of Yahweh again, opportunity to share your truth, knowledge, and wisdom to anyone willing to listen, to hear the words, but listen to the truth, your knowledge, and your wisdom that you've imparted. Father God, thank you for the opportunity and the blessing in this. Abba Yahweh Aman, Yeshua Aman, Parakletos Aman. So, some interesting things. That the Holy Spirit brings up to my brings to my mind in our early morning hours. It's very important for us to know and understand these things and have a complete, thorough understanding, especially as things develop and as they are developing. Um, I've shared with you already that you can look around and, and take mental comparative notes or write things down, but I've also come to be able to recognize those things that are going on around us in the biblical aspect in that I've seen these things going on before. I've seen them in books of the Bible before. And this thing that's going on is nothing new. I mean... It's something that I don't appreciate and I'm not I'm not fearful of what's happening. I, it, there's there's fright there. I, I've served this country, I live in this country and I don't like what's going on in this country whatsoever. And what is very sad to me though is that there are so many, so many that are absolutely willing to stand and accept lies as if they are truth. And that the individuals that are pandering this falsehood and telling these lies and supposed to be leading these people, they do so, they believe it to be true. And everyone thinks that, you know, they're just willing to give up, but... I'm not willing to give up. I'm willing to follow my God. And the Bible tells us that he does hear our prayers. And I know this to be a fact that God listens to those who take time to pray. If this nation would turn back to repent, this whole country needs to repent. And here's a very powerful thing and get your knickers all twisted up about this one because here it comes. The churches, the churches, and I'm talking about the body that are claiming to be Christian instead of being just self-proclaimed and the label heads and going to this building and hanging out that you have an abidance with God, you have a relationship with God, you turn back and claim what something is that he has promised. Claim the promise. He said that he hears our cries and if we cry out to him, he will hear this nation. But you know what's not happening? The churches are not crying out to the Lord. What I have seen and witnessed that there are many that are just not caring anymore. 
And I have shared with you already that I have traveled all over and seen churches that are closed down and staying closed down and still closed down. And there are individuals that are locking themselves up in their homes and staying locked up. And it's been many, many years have gone by and they're still closed up. They're still locked up and they're allowing fear to drive them. They're being fearful. Here's something I'm going to share with you back in the book of Exodus. You remember the book of Exodus? You got Genesis, which I've shared with you already is not the first book of the Bible. The first book of the Bible, the first book that was actually written was Job. But chronologically, for reasons that God decided that he was going to put Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, and then we were going to go in order sequence that way. And then he put Job down here with the with the others. Put Job down there with Esther and David and Psalms. He felt the power of that book was more important there. So it's just a matter of theological trivia, and it's not of import. What it is of import is that God put this Bible in order. God is the author. He is the finisher. And the individuals that penned books of this Bible, Moses, he penned books. Paul penned letters. John penned. Luke penned. Matthew, Mark penned. God authored and finished. He breathed the inspiration into the individuals that wrote. Ruth, Esther, Samuel, the book of Kings, book of Solomon, David. They were all penned by individuals that God chose, but he authored. Let's go back to the book of Exodus. Second book of the Bible. And Moses was told this by God. And this is a truth by God given to Moses that he gives to the people. Fear ye not, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will show to you today. For the Egyptians whom ye have seen today, ye shall see them again no more forever. The Lord shall fight for you, and ye shall hold your peace. Does that sound vaguely familiar to another book of the Bible? David talks about it in the psalm. Isaiah tells us, be still and know the Hashim. The Lord thy God is with you. God is with us already, always, always with us, already with us and always. 
I've shared with you in John writes about it. John the beloved called that because he seeks the heart of God. Always he seeks to be near and close to Jesus. And he wrote many things, but John 15, I shared with you, talks about abiding with God, abiding, abidance with him. That's a very important one. That just doesn't mean like we see so much happening around us and we see today. There's no interpersonal relationship. Kids, they're just going they before and after school. It's, it's, there's no abiding. They're, they're not really visiting. Oh yeah, we're going to hang out today. And what do they talk about? They talk about any personal thing. A lot of times when I see the kid, they're all sitting around, they have the device in their hand. They're all clicking back and forth. The one of them may find something that was funny and then he shows it to one or two of the others. And that's pretty much it. What kind of interpersonal relationship is going on? None. Because he who seeks to come in and steal, rob, destroy, and scatter. That's what the ploy is. And we're told this, Jesus tells us this. John 10, 10. The thief does not come in except to steal, to kill and to destroy. And Jesus says, I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. I'm going to jump over to John 10, 10. I'm up in numbers right now. I'm going to jump over there to John. John, very important scriptures he shares. 15 talks about abiding with God and God abiding in and with us. It's, it's an important, that's an important word. Abiding doesn't mean that you just go and hang out on the patio and sip the suds or just sit. It's interpersonal relationships are an important aspect of our life. God desires an interpersonal relationship with you. When, when you come and you make the decision to accept that Jesus is his only begotten son, and you want to believe that, you want to have faith in God, and you want the Holy Spirit to guide your steps. When you make that decision, when you turn and you repent, and you say, Jesus, come into my life. God, I want to have faith in you. Jesus, come in. Holy Spirit, guide my steps. And as soon as you do that, there's things that are going to take place, things you're going to know. And I'm going to promise this to you, though. The Bible tells us that the walk isn't, isn't 
perfect. Everything is not perfect because this plane of existence is not perfect because man, mammon have chosen to break things, to destroy things and have made much of a decision that oh, we don't need God. What do we need God for? We'll go and we'll say thank you for the turkey for Thanksgiving and kids will thank for the presence. Everything has become this anti-God, anti-Christ movement into everything. They put more credence in the Easter Bunny, Santa Claus, And they have more faith that of those things that are going to happen on those days than they do in the fact that God is the author, finisher, and Jesus came and died for us, for them. While we were yet at enmity. And God still... He pursues, he loves his children. He loves us. And here's an important thing that Jesus is teaching us in John 10, 10. And Jesus is talking about not only Satan, but he's also talking about hirelings. I'll explain that in a moment. And Jesus said, verily, verily, I say unto you, that basically that's him saying, hear me, hear me, this is really important, listen, listen. I say unto you, he that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. But he that entereth by the door is a shepherd of the sheep. To him the porter openeth, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calleth his own sheep by name, and leadeth them out. And when he putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. And a stranger will they not follow, but will flee from him, for they know not the voice of strangers. And Jesus spake the parable, and he spoke it to not only the disciples that were with him, but others as well. And they didn't understand it. They didn't get what Jesus was talking about. I've shared before with you about shepherds that I knew and had, had been acquaintances with me and how they had explained this thing. And, and it's a it's pretty phenomenal as far as I'm concerned is that they, the four of them traveled together and the folds that they would encounter along their way when they were moving the sheep were not gated and they would take turns at watch. Two would be at the gate, and the other two would sleep, and they put the sheep in this huge pen all together. And when they got ready to go and, and depart, a shepherd would go in, and he would make a sound, and then he'd call them by voice and turn and walk out. And his sheep would follow him. Only 
his sheep would follow him. They didn't have a mixed flock. Not one time did they ever encounter in their travel and doing this for the number of years that they did this together, did they ever have a problem with the sheep going with the wrong flock or being confused and following another the other flock? Not one time. Why is that important? Now we're talking about sheep and there's a lot of individuals and I've heard them, they gripe about being likened to sheep, an analogy of being used like sheep. But brothers and sisters, that's exactly how we are. We are his sheep and he is the good shepherd. A good shepherd will fight for his sheep. That staff that the Shepherd, you know, they have the thing in, in Little Bo Peep and uh, what's that other little poem? Mary, Mary, quite contrary. Something, I can't remember what the other one is. The, the sheep, Mary had a little lamb and that one. And then you have a, a Little Bo Peep and, and cartoons, illustration with them. They have this shepherd crook. And on the top is this really huge crook. Well, shepherd's staff isn't exactly like that, but it had a crook on it. And that staff wasn't to poke and prod and whack the sheep and get them in the direction to go because the shepherd usually walked in front of the sheep and would occasionally call or give a whistle that they knew and they recognized and they would follow along. They knew that he was there protecting them. Whatever encounter, and the, and the shepherd would fall back and walk amongst them sometimes. But that staff was to protect them and to help them and to lift them. If they fell into a place and they were stuck, he would put that underneath their forelimbs and he would give them a little tug and help them out. The good shepherd was always paying attention to his flock. Our good shepherd, our Lord, is always paying attention to the flock. And he will leave the 99 for the one. And we are very much like sheep. We get disturbed when things are around us. We like everything to be just so. We like things to be common. Sheep move, they like it to be just so. That's why That's why it's very, very apropos, very appropriate when David writes in the Psalms. It's very important. And when he writes about, look at that, I flipped right to the wrong book. Sorry about that. <laughs> I want the Proverbs and Unsum. But when David writes about uh, this is this is so appropriate and it's so descriptive of exactly how we are the lord is my shepherd i shall not want he maketh me to lie down in green pastures he leadeth me beside the still waters he restoreth my soul he leadeth me 
and the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. It's very appropriate, but at the same time, it's also very warning and very indicative and that we have to be paying attention. The Lord is our shepherd. Listen to his voice when he calls and talks to us. Pay attention, pay heed. When you need, I mean truly need, you can ask. And he is a good, good father, good, good Lord. The book of Proverbs tells us this, this is a problem that we encounter in this plane of existence is we put so much credence in that of, of those who claim to be leaders and, and uh, there's so many that will sit back, oh, they're in charge now. They, they know what they're doing. Well, no, not always. And then, of course, here's the thing too, is that fear of man will prove to be a snare. But whosoever trusteth in the Lord is kept safe. That's in the book of Proverbs 29, 25. And that's an important aspect because it has to do with something else I'd really like to share with you. I've shared it before. I'm going to share it again because the time, as I said, is drawing closer and closer to this. So, and I'm seeing this more and more and more and more. When you have a body, and we'll just say, for instance, political body. And they want certain things to take place. So they want certain things to happen. But the citizens are not exactly willing to do exactly that. What is one of the things that drives better than any pleading? Fear. When you make people fearful... It really works good. I used to see this. Here's this thing I'm going to share with you. It's a word. We learned about it in the military, from the military, and it's this, and I've saw it in action many times, but it's this thing called PSYOPS. P-S-Y-O-P-S. And it's the psychological effect that certain things have on individuals in order to get them to do what you want them to do and fear was a huge propagator of that fearfulness will drive people to do what they will not normally do act the way they would not normally act and I'm going to tell you that there is a great tactician for this and his name is Satan Satan, the devil, Beelzebub, Lucifer, Lord of the Flies, whatever title, whatever moniker you want to tack on to him, he is that thing. 
and he uses that as a great tool, and he's very adept at what he does. For example, when there are, and I've heard individuals talk about this way, they talk about his power, and they talk about how afraid they are if he comes, and what happens when he does. Let me share this with you, is that he hasn't come, and he's... Satan sends minions. Now, he may send his Chaldeans, which are really very ferocious and frightful demons. <laughs> and you may encounter one or two of those on occasion, but you you haven't, you are not worth the effort for Satan. <coughs> Pardon me. <coughs> hmm. Yeah. Is that bothering you? Ha. <laughs> Bothering somebody because it's coming more prevalent the more I talk about it. But here's the thing. Satan does not think that you are worth the time. You're not that important to him except that he does not want God to take you home. He does not want you to be with God. He doesn't want you to go to heaven. And he doesn't want you to do that. And why is that? Because Satan knows what's there. And it used to be his, and he used to live there. And he decided that he was going to be God, and he was going to be up there, and that he would be sitting on a throne in heaven. Um, That didn't work out. And why is that? Because as Jesus shares with us in Luke 10, I saw Satan fall as lightning from heaven. And he is a thief, he is a liar, and he comes in to steal and to scatter whatever and however he can. And the parable that Jesus spoke in John 10.10 is exactly that thing. And he has minions that function for him and operate for him. Because here's the thing. People think that Satan is so powerful, okay? He's not omnipresent, he's not omniscient, and he's not omnipotent. God is all of that. God is always present, he's all-knowing, and he's all-powerful. Satan is not. But he gets people out of fear to believe that he can do all these things. The only thing that he can do is lie, cheat, steal, destroy, He can do that really good, and he can also alter his appearance to be something he is not. He can make things to appear what they are not, and the only thing he does is just like this, the minions that work for him and these false deities. And I find it very profoundly interesting here. And Jesus spoke to them again, and this is further reading in verse seven. Then said Jesus unto them again, verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door by me. If any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. 
He is the only way, the only entrance that we have. And he speaks of this, and this is even before he was crucified and before he went, he told us all. None come to the Father but by me. You come through me. I am the only begotten Son. When you come and you believe in me and you testify and you come to the Father, and that's what he was telling the woman at the well. There's coming a time when you can worship anywhere in truth and spirit. You come through me, I will make that happen. The thief cometh not but to steal, to kill, and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. Wow. And they didn't understand when he was there, but he was talking about dying, being crucified. Further reading in verse 12. But he that is a hireling and not the shepherd, whose own the sheep are not, seeth the wolf coming and leaveth the sheep and fleeth, and the wolf catcheth them and scattereth the sheep. The hireling flees because he is a hireling and careth not for the sheep. What's Jesus talking about there? Well, if you look around, you see a lot of this stuff happening. Hirelings are those that are called to guide the sheep. And they're the ones who are called to take care of the flock. And that would be some of those that are and I wouldn't even call them a pastor. They're just liars and deceivers. They don't really care anything for the church. And there's many of those out there. And God warns us about that. Jesus warns us about that. Be careful for there will be many that come to deceive. And that's these hirelings, they come in. And they're put up there. And they don't care anything about the flock, especially when they learn that they can get a lot for doing a little of nothing and they can convince the congregation and they become wealthy. That's where their treasure is. Their treasure isn't in the word of God. Their treasure isn't in heaven. They don't look to go to heaven. They look to get what they can get and convince those that are in the flock to help them attain that. But he that is a hireling and not the shepherd, whose own the sheep are not, seeth the wolf coming and leaveth the sheep and fleeth, and the wolf catches them and scatters them. That's heart-wrenching. and But it's also testified not only here, but in other places in the Bible. And Jesus talks about it. Peter talks about it. James talks about it. Paul talks about it. And you find it in the book of Revelation. I'm talking about the apostasy.
the falling away and the walking away. It is going to happen. It will happen. It's, it's already happening in many places. And this is one of the things and why you have the doom and gloomers and the naysayers and all this. Oh, I don't read about that because I don't want to hear about that stuff. Oh, what? You don't want to hear about the truth? You don't want to hear the word of God? You don't want to hear the truth that comes from God? It tells us it's going to happen? Jesus tells us it's going to happen. He says, before the coming of the Son of Man, before I come again, these things are going to take place. And they are. And... You know, you got all these individuals and they're going to cry and they're going to, but why, why, what if, what if, what if? And I say, even if, even if, even if. It's important that Jesus came for us and cares for us, loves us. Jesus kind of does some admonishing here. And so continuing in verse 13, the hireling fleeth because he is a hireling and careth not for the sheep. I am the good shepherd and know my sheep and am known of mine. As a father, I know, as the father knoweth me, even so know I the father. And I lay down my life for the sheep, and other sheep I have, which are not of this fold. Them also I must bring, and they shall hear my voice, and there shall be one fold and one shepherd. Therefore doth my father have loved me, because I lay down my life, that I might take it again. No man taketh it from me, but I say, lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down and I have power to take it again. This commandment I received of my father. There was a division, therefore, again among the Jews for what he was saying. And many of them said, he hath a devil and he is mad. Why do you listen to him? <clears throat> and then there were others. These are not the words of him of him that hath a devil. Can a devil open the eyes of the blind? And it was at Jerusalem at the Feast of the Dedication. It was winter time. It was the winter season. Jesus walked in the temple in Solomon's porch. And there, here we go again. Then came the Jews round about him and said to him, how long dost thou make us to doubt? If thou be the Christ, tell us plainly. And Jesus answered them, I told you, and you believe not the works that I do in my Father's name. They bear witness of me, but ye believe not because you're not of my sheep. As I said unto you, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father, which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. Then, of course, here we go. The Pharisees and those that thought themselves to be better. Then the Jews took up stones again to stone him. 
And Jesus answered them, many good works have I showed you for my father. For which of those works do you stone me? The Jews answered him saying, for a good work we stone thee not, but for blasphemy and because thou being a man makest thyself a God. And Jesus answered them, is it not written in your law? I said, ye are gods. If he had called them gods unto whom the word of God came and the scripture cannot be broken, say ye of him whom the father hath sanctified and sent into the world, thou blasphemest because I said, I am the son of God. If I do not the works of my father, believe me not. But if I do though ye believe not me. Believe the works that ye may know and believe that the Father is in me and I in him. Therefore they sought again to take him, but he escaped out of their hand. And when again he went beyond Jordan, where it was that John at first baptized, and there he stayed alone. And there he stayed. And many resorted unto him and said, John did not, did no miracle, but all things that John spake of, this man here has done and is true. And many believed on him there and they came and they spoke and convinced themselves. But those who claim to be in authority and of authority and those who were supposed to be the holy men and supposed to be teaching the people they believed in themselves to be, and they vaunted themselves to be of authority. But the Son of God who spoke truth, and they didn't understand it because they didn't understand truth. Jesus told them, he said, you don't understand what I'm telling you and you don't believe the truth as it stands before you because you don't speak the truth. You speak the words of your father. Oh, and they didn't like that at all. But I mean, he still, again, was speaking truth. Brothers and sisters, what I'm sharing with you now is the opportunity. Take the opportunity, if you haven't already, and simply ask the Lord to come into your life. Ask Jesus to come in and change your life, change your heart. It's not an easy walk. And it's a choice that you need to make and a choice that can be made. It's really actually very easy to do. And you're going to have individuals that are going to come at you. And you think that that little example right there in John 10. And if you go through the New Testament and the Gospels of Jesus Christ and the disciples writing these things, you will see that all Jesus did was preach the truth. And all he did was miraculously heal. But the problem that these Pharisees had and those that practice Phariseeism today, and there are many that do, they like to think themselves of authority and they like to be the deciders. And if they don't believe it's true, then of course it can't be true. And you have many of them that do that. And they're working on it now. You have many, and I'm talking not a small number, but you have, <clears throat> and I've shared this with you before, 
simply because you have all of these ignorant people that don't have information, they don't have real true knowledge that they call a cheetah a leopard, and then you get everybody that wants to jump on the bandwagon and say, oh yeah, it's true, look, they're very similar. Yeah, similarities end when you start talking about biology and physiology. They're completely different. They're not even remotely alike, except in appearance. <clears throat> different species. But you have people that out of ignorance, they will go along with that, and they agree. And they hear the beating drum of truth, 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 but it's all lies, 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 but they get so caught up in the fervor of the parade and the beating of the drums and the clanging of the cymbals and all that noise. And again, remember what that is? White noise, the interference and the draw focus. <clears throat> And how does God communicate with us? It's the testimony, <clears throat> pardon me, that I've shared with you, with Elijah, when he was on the mountain and he was told to go out of the cave onto the face of the mountain and he encountered lightning storms, he encountered earthquake, he encountered the heavy high winds that were so powerful and so loud that the stones were rolling down the side of the mountain, that they were breaking loose and rolling away. And the rains came, heavy rains, and then there's a wildfire. And in the midst of all that, God was not. But when he returned to the quiet of the cave, and he settled down and he was at peace. He heard the still, small voice. And all that loud thumping and banging and clanging. And then, of course, my niece brought up a point of, about Bible thumpers. And I shared with her, and this is a truth that I firmly believe, is that when you get someone that stands on the stage and bangs a hand and thumps and stomps and 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 draws attention to that as opposed to the word of God. I mean, there's individuals get anxious. My pastor, my brother, my prophet, my angel, whatever you want to call him. He gets a little theatrical, but nothing like that. And the thing of it is that he stays in the truth. He stays in the truth and the word of God. And he preaches it that way. It's not to draw attention to him and attention for him. He speaks the truth. But these other individuals, they get up there and when they're banging their hand, I mean, they really get theatrical. And usually standing in one place and just banging their hand and stomping their feet and then, of course, you have the others like that other pervert who's parading up and down and, and crying out that the Bible is incorrect and needs to be rewritten and we need to reteach it. But it's they want you to get you to join their parade. God doesn't need a parade. He doesn't require all of that. All she requires is your heart. 
the character of your heart to believe that Jesus Christ is the only begotten Son of God and that he, our Heavenly Father, loves us so much and be in his heart, be in his love. And in our adoption letter, I, I read that to you. I'm going to go back and read that to you again. We're going to go back to the book of Romans and Romans 8. I call it my adoption letter. Your adoption letter, if you like. Sure you can. But all these things in Romans 8 talk about talk about his promises and what he has done for us and who he is once about. And I'm going to Romans 8. And I'm going to start in 32. God's wonderful love. Actually, I'm going to go back farther up. I'm going to back up, back up, back up, back up. <laughs> and I'm going to be in Romans 8. 28, and we know that all things work together for good for them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose, for whom he did foreknow he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate them, he also called, and whom he called them, he also justified. And whom he justified, them he also glorified. What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He despaired not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died. Yea, rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who is also maketh intercession for us. He speaks on our behalf. He stands for us. He prays over us every day because we are his. We are his flock and he is our good shepherd. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for thy sake, we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. 
I am persuaded that this is truth. I am persuaded that this book, our guide, our map, our road atlas, our instruction manual, is the truth, the word of God, as he intended for us to have. And nothing can separate us from the love that he has. He loved us so much that Jesus came, was crucified, even at enmity with him, and he still died for our sake. Can't get much more powerful love than that. There is no more powerful love than that. God is love. And God doesn't love us because it's the right thing to do. God loves us because God is love. That is one of his characters. He's love. And he loves us. But don't forget, brothers and sisters, reciprocate. He wants a personal relationship with us. He desires that. We are his children. He is our heavenly father. You're in my prayers daily, brothers and sisters, going out and coming in.